0: It seems kind of hopeless right now, but you're going to figure this out. This is pretty debilitating. I'm able to turn my pain into purpose. There are people out in the world that do understand what you're going through.
1: Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with Beth Ruffin about her three chronic conditions, fibromyalgia, anxiety, and depression. Beth owns her own diversity, equity, and inclusion practice. Where she teaches people to include themselves and others. You can actually find her TEDx talk online, Flipping the Script on Inclusion, The Importance of I. So, I was really interested to talk to Beth on the podcast today about managing her own business and managing chronic illness at the same time. I was very interested to learn that Beth was actually diagnosed with fibromyalgia at the Mayo Clinic, and she'll tell us all about getting that diagnosis and how, at the time, it wasn't actually that helpful. She was very open in this discussion about her experiences with anxiety and depression and introduced me to the concept that rest is revolution, something that I love, that I'm excited for you to hear about today. Beth hosts her own podcast called You Belong Here with Beth Ruffin. And I'm very excited that I actually have an appointment scheduled to record an episode for that podcast myself. Can't wait for that. Can't wait to chat with Beth again uh, because we had so much fun today. She's an amazing person, so much fun to talk to. She has a really valuable point of view, experience, and expertise, and a very interesting chronic illness story that I'm excited to share with you today. So, we'll get to that in just a few minutes. Last week on the show, we spoke with Kara Elof about managing relationships in spite of chronic pain or chronic illness. And this episode actually brought up some really interesting discussion around intimacy and how it can be impacted by chronic illness. So, let's jump onto Instagram and see what people were saying about this episode. This comment is from Free Spirit Warrior. I have so much desire to be intimate, but because of my spinal cord disease and chronic pain and neuropathy, when my husband and I are intimate, it can throw me into a full body flare for days. It's excruciating at times. That is devastating for me and, of course, him, although he is the best hubby in the world and most patient. I'd love to talk more about this. Free Spirit Warrior, thank you so much for your comment. I did reach out and invite them to come on the show. Whenever anyone says they want to talk about something more, you know I am game. Here's another comment from Instagram. This one is short but sweet. This comment is from ShellyBell453. Was very emotional listening to this. It is what I needed right now. Thank you. Shelly, thank you so much for the feedback. Over on TikTok, we got a couple of interesting comments from our friend Sarah, who actually appeared on the show a while back discussing her adverse reaction to the anthrax vaccine. This was a very memorable episode. Sarah was in the military and was ordered to take an anthrax vaccine that made her very sick. And unfortunately, she is one of many. There were actually government hearings conducted around this issue. But because of that, she actually can't take any vaccines now. And of course, we are living in a post-COVID world where, you know, we just went through this massive campaign to vaccinate as many people as possible against COVID, but there are people that cannot take vaccines. People like Sarah, for whom vaccines can be dangerous. And this is something that I'm really interested in, because, you know, the media, the government, everyone always mentioned during the COVID pandemic, when the vaccines became available, they always talked about the fact that there are certain people who can't take this vaccine, and they were encouraging everyone else to get it to protect those people who couldn't take the vaccine. But somewhere along the line, that information got sort of buried under the fact that people started dividing themselves politically based off of who was and wasn't being vaccinated. All nuance went out the window, and our culture sort of developed this us-versus-them mentality, and that really affects people like Sarah who can't get vaccinated for medical reasons. Now that the pandemic has reached this phase where we just sort of live in it indefinitely, I mean, you know, this thing isn't going away, and we're just kind of getting used to living inside of a pandemic, I think it's an important moment to take stock of how our actions and beliefs are affecting others. Sarah's comments on TikTok about intimacy and dating As a vaccine-injured person who cannot get the COVID vaccine, really made me stop and think. So I actually sent her an email and asked her to elaborate on those issues so that I could share that with you on the podcast today. Her email is called Intimacy and Vaccine Injured Patients. Thank you for sharing this information with our disabled community. It's imperative that our fellow citizens understand why it's important we take care of all patients, regardless of what caused it. When it comes to the chronically ill, disabled community and dating, specifically the vaccine injured patient demographic, there are many topics to choose from. However, for this short amount of time, I'll focus on vaccine records. During the pandemic, and even currently, those interested in dating placed on their dating profile swipe left if not vaccinated, or some variation, even going so far as to placing their masks back on their face or moving further back in their seat after realizing I wasn't vaccinated, even though I told them before meeting indicating they weren't even interested in getting to know me at all because I can't get vaccinated against the COVID virus or any virus, paying absolutely no attention to the more important medical aspect of dating, which of course is not the risk of catching COVID, but the risk of STI or STD. To this day, individuals will still only inquire if you are vaccinated against COVID, completely disregarding the potential risks from copulating altogether. If these individuals were concerned about their health, they should focus their risk factors on preventing all sexually transmitted diseases. Otherwise, you're just showing your bias against an entire patient demographic. No one should live their life in fear. Understanding your risks is one thing. Excluding yourself from learning and growing in any type of relationship based on fear is not a healthy way for anyone to live. Thank you for sharing my thoughts on one small but very large part of intimacy while being a vaccine-injured patient. If only the rest of our American and world citizens understood the need to take care of all patients. Have a great week and I look forward to hearing the show. Sarah. Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your perspective with us. I think this is so thought-provoking. As we discussed on last week's podcast episode, everybody deserves love, care, and affection. We all deserve to have meaningful relationships, intimate relationships, and chronic illness can get in the way of that in so many different ways. Last week, we focused on the fact that being in pain can mean that being intimate can be painful, but Sarah's bringing up another really important factor when considering intimacy and chronic illness, which is that some people react out of fear or out of prejudice. And it's an important reminder to be there for each other, to listen to each other, to not judge each other for what our bodies are doing that we have no control over. When we close the door against each other out of fear, we are closing the door to what could potentially be meaningful relationships that could bring us a lot of joy. So Sarah, thank you again for taking the time to write this email and to share your perspective. A few weeks back, we had a great episode with my friend Troy about the medical needs of the LGBTQ plus community. Troy kindly put together a list of resources for the LGBTQ plus community that would be helpful that I included with the podcast. And I actually got a really great email from Asa with an additional resource on housing assistance for LGBTQ plus youth. Asa sent me an article discussing research that shows that LGBTQ plus youth face more than double the risk of experiencing homelessness compared to their non-queer identifying peers. Since this is a really important resource, I'm going to add it to the show notes of our previous episode with Troy, and I wanted to share my thanks to Asa for sending this information my way. If you're enjoying listening to this podcast as much as I enjoy creating it, I would love to have your support to keep this show going as long as possible. There are several great ways to do so, including signing up for our Patreon campaign, participating in research studies and surveys through Rare Patient Voice, following the show on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, or leaving us positive ratings and reviews. You can learn about all these different ways to support the show on our website at majorpainpodcast.com support. Extra special thank you to our Patreon producers who are supporting this podcast at the highest tier of $25 per month, Steve Kavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. I'll remind you as always that my guest and I are not medical professionals, and this podcast is never intended to be seen as medical advice. So please do not take any medical action based off what you hear on this show without first consulting your doctor. And with that, we'll jump into our fantastic episode with Beth Ruffin about her three major pains, fibromyalgia, anxiety, and depression. Beth, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you today. So let's get to know you a little bit. Why don't you tell us about yourself?
0: Sure. So I call myself, I'm known as the everyday inclusionist. I own a consulting business where we teach people how to include themselves and others. And I started this firm about four years ago after leaving the insurance um, industry for 20 years. So I'm a business owner. Outside of that, I am a mother. I have a rising sophomore, which I can't even believe. And I'm a cat mom. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm also a daughter of a parent who is getting older. And I think that's part of um, what fills my days a lot as well.
1: So you teach people how to include themselves. Can you give me a, a brief rundown of what that might look like?
0: Yeah. So often when we talk about inclusion, we're talking about how do you make sure that people have a seat at the table or that they're using their voice? and That's a great message, but it still puts all of the power in the hands of others. Hmm. And so I've flipped that around and created this concept called self-inclusion, where it's really about, okay, now how do you get your own seat at the table? And how do you use your voice? And how do you really foster your own sense of belonging instead of waiting around for people to make you feel like you belong?
1: Wow, very cool. That sounds like a really powerful approach. What has it been like to to start this business? And I mean, have you been doing this long enough to see results?
0: Absolutely. So coming up here is four years of being a business owner, which I actually cannot believe (laughs) (laughs) because it doesn't feel like time has really flown. But I am very proud of myself, of the fact that for four years, I have had this business and been able to support my family on my own. And that was one of the things when I left corporate America, I wanted my success to be based on me and my failure to be based on me. I didn't want it to be based on others around
1: me. Yeah. Wow. So cool. What an amazing thing to do. I really commend you. I mean, where did this idea come from? What was the spark of this idea?
0: I started doing this work while I was in corporate America. Ah,
1: uh-huh, okay.
0: And I was at this point where I'm telling people, we want you to bring your full selves to work. We value your diversity. We value inclusion. But I didn't really see that happening and I started to feel like a fraud. Hmm. And I could not live with with myself feeling that way. Yeah. And I I took the risk and I said, I'm going to go out and I'm going to start my own business and i had made a lot of contacts through all of the many years and i actually ended up fortunately creating this business in 2019 well we all know what happened in 2020 yeah the unfortunate murders that were happening and from that people were realizing oh this is something that we need to pay attention to this is something that we need to do yeah and my business blew up from that
1: wow Amazing. Well, I know what we usually do plugs at the end, but this is such an important topic. Where, would we, where do people go if they want to connect with you and your business?
0: Oh, thank you. Absolutely. The best place to start is my website, and that's BethRuffin.com. And I also like to hang out on Instagram at Ruffin.
1: Awesome. And we'll go over that again at the end, and I will tag you on Instagram when this podcast goes up. But let's get into what we're here to talk about today. So you know, we now know a little bit about you. You're a business owner, and I'm so curious how this interweaves with your health journey so beth what is your major pain
0: i have fibromyalgia anxiety and depression
1: yeah the the trifecta (laughs) gotta love it (laughs) yeah okay so fibromyalgia i think most people are familiar widespread chronic pain um how does that present for you
0: the way i like to describe it is if you've ever had the flu it feels like I have the flu every day without the sinus congestion. Mm-hmm. So the fatigue, the sluggishness, the heaviness, the pain, that's what I feel every day.
1: Yeah. And is that widespread, the pain? It is. Just like full body, you know, like when you're sick, you have that full body pain. But for you, it just feels like that's happening all the time.
0: Right. And and you don't know you know, it's like, I laugh when I go to the doctor and they're always like, okay, what's your pain on a scale of one to 10? I'm like, I don't know. I'm in pain every moment of every day. I don't know how to answer this question.
1: (laughs) Yeah, totally. Because the scale changes and I find it really difficult to describe my pain level unless it's in the actual moment. You know, like, what Mm -hmm. is my pain at this moment? If I'm trying to describe like, what was my pain yesterday? I don't know how to describe it. It's so weird. It's like, you have to be Inside of it to even process what it is.
0: Absolutely. And it's like, okay, so I've given birth. So do I have that type of pain every day? No. Yeah. But that was a couple of hours. Whereas now this is ongoing, never
1: ending. And that
0: is a greater impact than the level of pain.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because acute pain will pass. It's brief. You know, it's going to be horrible, but then it's over. And then you recover and that memory fades. Because it's that same thing where like pain memory is really hard to hold on to. But with chronic pain, when it's just all day, every day, you just don't get a break. And that is maddening. (laughs)
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And then so you also mentioned anxiety and depression, your mental health is so important. Tell me about your anxiety and depression.
0: Yes. So I wasn't diagnosed with those until about 10 years ago, but I'm pretty certain that I've had those all of my adult life. Hmm. And so it's cyclical, right? It's, it's, it's kind of like, which came first the chicken or the egg (laughs) where it's like, am I depressed and anxious because I'm tired and in pain all the time? Or am I tired and in pain all the time because I'm depressed and I'm anxious. Hmm. Um, And so I, I, I do feel depression every day. But there are periods that I go through where it's severe. And so I may be in bed for a week at a time. I find myself isolating myself. So, you know, friends will call. I'm not answering the phone. I'm not going out. I'm really isolating myself. And then I do also suffer from panic attacks. Mm. And so probably once a week, I'll have a panic attack that I need to treat with medicine.
1: Yeah. Wow. I really appreciate you being open and sharing all this with us. It's so important to talk about. So, okay. So, you have chronic pain, you have anxiety, you have depression, sometimes panic attacks, and you're a mother and a daughter and a business owner. How do all of these things live together in your life?
0: So, I had to learn what I could handle. Mm. I had to learn what worked for me. And then I had to learn how to teach people and tell people about that. So for example, I have limited hours throughout the week and I just have to let people know these are my hours. If I don't get to your question in this time, I'll respond tomorrow or within 24 hours. Sometimes if I've made plans with my daughter, I'll have to let her know, I'm really sorry, but my body is just not able to continue with those plans right now, and we'll have to reschedule. And so I had to first get to a place of understanding myself, and then I had to get to that place of helping other people understand me.
1: Wow. Yeah. And that's huge. That level of self-advocacy and self-awareness is really hard to come by. Did that take time to develop?
0: Absolutely. So I was diagnosed 10 years ago. Yeah. So this is this is something that has come over time. But I found myself because of course I'm type A extroverted high achiever. I found myself wanting to please everyone. Mm-hmm. But what was happening is that I was ending up harmed. And I really had to get to the point where I had to put the health of myself first right we talk about the on the plane with the oxygen mask mm. i really had to learn to put my own oxygen mask on first because when i'm laying in that bed for a week i'm no good to anybody
1: yeah yeah that's a great analogy so i know we mentioned this chicken and eggs scenario if if we go back through your memory which of these three major pains do you think started first
0: i think depression started first And I think then um, anxiety was attached to that. Mm -hmm. And I actually can pinpoint the fibromyalgia Mm. um, being triggered in my body. So we know that while medicine is still trying to figure out right how and when and why this happens, but that a lot of people develop this as a result of a traumatic event. And so in May of 2010, I had a traumatic event The very next day i developed shingles so i was still in my 30s like who gets shingles in their 30s right (laughs) so i've developed shingles and then i just started having all of these weird things happening in my body that had never happened before and it took me three years before i got diagnosed with the fibromyalgia but it i can pinpoint it back to that traumatic event
1: yeah that's so interesting has there been any talk of um some sort of like post viral issue with the shingles is shingles a virus i don't even know
2: (laughs) yeah it's
0: it's chicken pox right coming back in adult form so i've never even thought of that what my personal theory is and i'm not a doctor um my paternal grandmother had fibromyalgia okay and so i believe that i had it was maybe laying latent. is that the right word It was laying dormant in my cells. And I think that traumatic event just triggered it and brought it to life.
1: Yeah, that on switch. It's so frustrating with chronic illness when you flip that on switch and it's just like, well, maybe I'll just turn it off, but (laughs) there's no off switch. It's like, well, that doesn't seem fair. (laughs) It doesn't.
0: And I'll even tell you, like, it took me three years to get diagnosed. I'm going to specialists. I'm going to doctors. They're testing me for all these things. And you get to a point where you're actually like, Dear God, let them find something. Right. You just want to know what it is so you know how you can treat it and you know how to move forward. Exactly. But going through all these years, then you start to question yourself and say, wait, is this really all in my mind? I think about that Golden Girls episode with Dorothy. Have you ever
1: yes. watched? Okay. The the chronic fatigue syndrome episode. Yep, and she had chronic fatigue. That was a revelation to me when I saw that. I saw that like five or six years ago and I was obsessed with it. I love that episode. It's really powerful.
0: It is. And that's that kind of mirrors mine. And I actually had to go to the Mayo Clinic. Oh,
2: to wow. Get di- yeah, really? to get
0: diagnosed. Wow. I did. And I- I have to be honest with you, I was kind of disappointed when I heard the diagnosis because they told me, they said, all right, you have fibromyalgia. They said, lose weight, stop drinking liquor, liquor and stop eating sugar. What?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's not the most helpful. There's all this like preconception about the Mayo Clinic itself and the fact that it is supposed to be the best diagnostic Mm -hmm. hospital in the country, if not the world. So if you get an answer from the Mayo Clinic, it's like ironclad in a way. But that doesn't sound very ironclad to me. Like, that doesn't sound super helpful. So that must have been a really complicated feeling.
0: It was frustrating. And now remember, this was a decade ago. So perhaps now the answers are different. But, you know, I've been plus size my whole life. And so every time there's been a medical issue, right, that's been the advice. Just lose weight that is frustrating we could talk a whole nother hour about that absolutely but i will tell you what i did when i came home i started joining some support groups on facebook and one of the groups had told me to look up a list of good doctors that um and there was a doctor in my area Mm. who is my doctor to this day she is Amazing. Awesome. She takes the time to explain things to me. She's a geriatric practitioner, which is interesting. Mm. But she takes the time to explain things. She's she explained more to me than than Mayo ever did. So I'm fortunate that I was I was able to get that care and nurture after.
1: That's so cool. I love hearing about great doctors, because they do exist. I have some great doctors now, too. And I went years without, so I know what it's like to not have great doctors. But this is also a really, really, really important message about self-advocacy, believing yourself, and no doctor's opinion is ironclad, even the Mayo Clinic. You know, if, if you aren't getting the answers that are helpful to you, that resonate with you, that feel true, um, you know, sometimes it is worth it to keep looking. It could be the same answer from a different doctor said in a different way that is life-altering because it actually provides support and a path and a plan instead of, you know, lose weight, don't eat sugar, <laughs> stop drinking. And yeah, yeah, but that is like a whole thing where um, there, there seems to be just like this prejudice in medicine um, against larger bodies, which is so yeah. unfair and inaccurate uh, and harmful. And yeah, I mean, yeah, that is it's a whole topic, but it's uh, something that I am very passionately angry about.
0: (laughs) I love that you're angry. Thank you for being an ally on that. Um, But, you know, and it's not just doctors, right? It's also society which sure. i think everyone who has a chronic illness can identify with that because even you know i'll tell people i'm really tired they're like oh you just need to work out more you just need to do this you should do that you look fine you know having an invisible disability is so hard i remember yeah. at one time i had a handicap placard on my car and I used to get stares and looks getting out of my car, you know, people thought I was scamming the system and so there's just so much judgment. It's 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 hard.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, people people go misdiagnosed all the time because doctors are always looking for reasons not to help. Uh, you know, and anxiety is another one of them that I hear constantly where you know, people, and I experienced also, like people go to the doctor, ask for help, and they say, well, this is just your anxiety manifesting as a neurological disorder or as chronic pain or as, you know, gastrointestinal issues. And I, it's, it's just a constant that I hear people talk about on the podcast where really serious things are not caught in time or are caught years later, you know, where, I mean, and for me, I, I just got through a six year flare up where I was on the couch for six years. And I'm now up and moving again because I got the, you know, medication and diet and all, all this stuff that's working for me. And it's really hard not to think about that and just get so angry at lost time. And I, yeah. I don't really, I don't live there. You know, I can't live there. And I also recognize all of the wonderful things that have come into my life because of that time. You know, this podcast, my amazing partner, the life that I have now wouldn't have been possible. The, the emotional growth that i have gone through because of that time wouldn't have been possible so i have made i I have acceptance for it now but at the beginning it was so hard not to be so angry it's like doctors aren't helping me you know and and i had a big flare-up in my early 20s like i this goes back way more than six years but um at the beginning the anger was so intense of like why won't someone help me did you go through that process as well
0: absolutely i remember the endocrinologist that I was seeing he got he was very mean with me at one point because he had tested me for everything and everything was negative negative. and he was just like look I just there's nothing I've tested you for everything and he actually put me on medication for lupus mm. I did not have lupus I did not test positive for lupus this is a very hard it was a very hard drug on the body yeah he's like just just take this And it was kind of like he just wrote me off. And you're right about that advocacy, because I could have just said, okay and started taking that. And who knows where I would be now if I'd gone that route?
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, I I was misdiagnosed with Lyme disease, took that medication for a year as well. I mean, I don't think that's as hard on the body as lupus medication. But the funny thing is, like when you have lupus that medication could be so helpful. <laughs> right, But if right. you don't have lupus, don't take lupus medication. That's no good. Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so, okay. So you finally get a diagnosis um, with fibromyalgia from the Mayo Clinic. You go to a local doctor who's way more helpful. Once you start to integrate good practices for fibromyalgia into your daily routine, did that help?
0: It did. And honestly, the best thing that I could have done for myself is... Is learning how to listen to my body
1: yes totally yeah tell me about that
0: so it's chronic fatigue and chronic pain and so i have to listen to my body when it has energy so when i have energy i'm washing dishes i'm washing clothes i'm cleaning around the house when i don't and i need to be in bed i'm in bed yeah and that was it was difficult for me to get there because you start to feel like, oh, am I just being lazy? I'm unproductive. I feel worthless. But there's this whole movement now around rest is revolution. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that us Spoonies <laughs> have had to learn.
1: I love that. I love it. <laughs> I haven't heard that. that. I, you just introduced me to that. And that is so cool. Yeah, treating your body with respect, resting when you're tired, that is revolutionary. You know, we're taught to just go, 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 and people burn out, and these chronic illness switches flip on, and that's not good for anybody. You know, like, why don't we value listening to your body and respecting yourself? We should. And that is revolutionary.
0: Yeah.
2: I love and that. I think,
0: <laughs> yeah, so I think that's been the the biggest thing for me. You know, I tried being a vegetarian for a year felt really good. Um, It wasn't necessarily easy for me to keep up. You know, Um, I've, at times I've worked out, you know, regularly, but really for me, it's about the rest and it's about giving myself grace.
1: Yeah, totally. What do you do in those moments? What are your go-to bad fibro day, treat yourself moments?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So my daughter says there's something wrong with me, but I love horror.
2: <laughs> horror I movies. I love yeah. horror movies. So
0: <laughs> if I'm, and this is with anxiety or depression as well. Um, if those are, if it's a time where I just need to detach and I just need to zone out, I am putting on the scariest movie I can find. <laughs> I'm eating snacks, I'm drinking water, and I'm just vegging out. Yeah. And and of course telling the TV all of the things that I would do so that I don't get <laughs> caught up in the situation that they're in. <laughs> yeah.
1: What's your horror movie of choice? What's your go-to?
0: I'm going to tell you one of my favorites recently. It's an older one, but it's called The Haunting of Bly Manor mm. on Netflix. Did I you watch seen that. that? No. Amazing. Cool. It's amazing. Um, but I'm also watching this show now on MGM Plus I think called From Hmm. And it's about these people who they're stuck in this town. They can't get out. And at night there are monsters that come out and try to kill them.
1: Yeah. So. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. Cause you know, so I, I, uh, I'm obsessed with this video game warframe and it's like, you know, it's like, you're a space ninja and you're fighting like weird robots and stuff. And I'll play that on my bad days. And it's so yeah. relaxing to me. And my partner, Andy will look over and she's just like, why is this relaxing to you? You know, like, you're in, in this intense space battle. Like, why <laughs> is this relaxing? And to me, it's just like, I don't know. It just really is, you know? It, I feel like I know what to do in this environment, and I feel in control and powerful in that environment because that yeah. g- that video game is like a power fantasy. And something about that is just so good when my body's not functional just to, yeah. like, you know, my, my fingers are still working, and and I'm still functional in this environment of this video game. What is it about horror that you find relaxing?
0: I think it's so the horror that I like is the stuff that can't actually happen. Hmm. So if it's a story about like someone being kidnapped or mur- like murdered, a serial co- No, I don't like that. Yeah, I like, you know, space monsters or vampires or ghosts. So I think it's really about just getting away. And yes, this escapism. is something that couldn't. I think it's because. The horrors that I face every day having fibromyalgia in this world, Mm. it's like I can get away from that and just watch something that never could happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. I love escapism. I think it's so important. I also, I really struggled at first to give myself permission to veg out. Is that something that you struggled with? Learning how to sort of embrace the the veg (laughs) and give Uh. yourself permission to just be relaxed and to kind of let go and do nothing.
0: Yeah, so I'm I'm very vocal that I I believe in therapy. I'm in therapy currently. And one of the things my therapist has helped me realize is that I have attached value to product productivity, what I produce, mm, wow. outcomes. So how do you go from that <laughs> to how do you go from laying in the bed for 24 hours and still being worthy. And it's something we're still working on.
1: That really that really hits home for me. And that's something that I am struggling with. Like Now that I'm doing a little better, I, I'm looking back on that six years and I'm having these moments of like, wow, I got nothing done. And it's really, really hard. But then I'm also like, no, that's not true at all. I started this podcast. I've been doing this video series on mm-hmm. YouTube because I'm a Star Trek nerd and I, I have like produced a lot of stuff that fueled me and kind of kept me going, and I, I I really believe this podcast is like the greatest thing I've ever done. You know, I'm so proud of it, and I am just I I love doing it so much, and it's brought so much to my life. And this happened in inside of my chronic illness, and because of my chronic illness. So I, yeah. but I'm always like, well, you know, I am not financially self sufficient. And I'm almost 40 years old, and that's really tough. I think for me, it's like I equate that, um, uh, like, financial productivity with value and worth. And I'm really struggling with that. I'm trying to struggle through that right now.
0: Yeah, you know, one of the things I like to talk about is impact. And impact looks so many different ways, and it can manifest in so many different ways. And so, what's the impact that you're having? Mm. Even now talking about those 6 years in bed the impact is far greater than you ever could have imagined you know i've been recently i've been very visible and vocal about my journey with depression and anxiety on social media and sometimes when i'm looking a mess and i'm you know tear-stained face and i'm in bed i'll record something or i'll post something and I've had people reaching out to me who I never would have known. Yeah, So many people that are struggling alone, they're struggling in silence. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I had to go through this so that it could impact someone else. And I think if you think about it from an impact perspective, instead of a productivity perspective, that can change the outlook.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. That makes me feel better. Thank you. <laughs> it seems like you've really kind of uh, done some soul searching throughout this, and really kind of come through it uh, wiser. Like you, you have a sense of um, you have this like calm, confident presence about you that is really impressive. Thank you. Do you think that being challenged by chronic pain and everything that you've been through, do you think that cultivated that in you?
0: I think it did. And I also say therapy works.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've done a lot of work
1: <laughs> of digging into who I am. Yeah, I, I love that. And I, I'm also in therapy. I can't recommend it enough. If you have a chronic illness, it's so important <laughs> to, to have therapy. And not just because it works and is important, but because it will help you in your diagnostic journey. If you are currently undiagnosed. Everyone's going to try to blame what's happening to you on your anxiety or depression. So, being in a w- practice to manage that is crucial to be able to pull that card out of your back pocket and say, yeah, well, I'm working on that. You know, I I am working with a professional to try to manage my anxiety because having a chronic illness is anxiety-inducing. So, I am I am covering that. So, let's look elsewhere. You know, what else could be going on? Um So I'm really curious to hear about the overlap of your anxiety and fibromyalgia. Is that something that your doctors have talked about? And talking about that chicken and egg situation, are there doctors who have tried to say, well, you have fibromyalgia because you're anxious?
0: No, I mean, my doctor has, again, been very good about helping me think through. I will say I remember my first panic attack i was in pittsburgh pennsylvania i was working and i'd received a call in the morning that just threw everything off (laughs) and i didn't even realize what was happening and my supervisor comes i call my supervisor because i'm like i can't come into work i don't know what's happening she comes out she says beth your face is gray now y'all can't see me but i'm a black woman so (laughs) having a gray face is not good (laughs) And then she told me, she said, you're having a panic attack. I didn't know what it was. You know, we didn't really talk about stuff like that. And this was years before my fibromyalgia diagnosis. Mm. Yeah. So logically, I say that I had anxiety and depression first.
1: Yeah. But you also mentioned the, the struggle with kind of thinking, am I doing this to myself? Because doctors kind of put that in your head. Um, so tell me about that struggle. How did you get through that?
0: Yeah, like, what, like you mentioned earlier, doctors are smart. They know a lot of things. But nobody knows more about your body than you. And so if you are experiencing something like when I'm experiencing something, I had to push back and say no. This is, this is what's happening, right? Like this is, you know, I was breaking out in hives at one moment, you know, I mean, all these weird things were happening to my body and I had to keep pressing. That's how I ended up at the Mayo Clinic, because again, my doctor had kind of written me off.
1: Yeah. And that's so, that's so painful when you go to someone for help and they write you off. And that also, I mean, for me, that's the moments where my anxiety was the highest,
0: yeah. I think, again, because we look at medical professionals as experts, but we don't realize that we are experts of our own bodies.
1: Right. And we're the only person who will ever live in our own bodies. Yeah. So it seems like you you still struggle. You still have pain. You're still managing anxiety and depression and uh, you know occasional panic attacks. But it also seems like you are in a relatively good place to me, you know, I I've only known you for half an hour, so who knows, (laughs) but it seems to me like you have kind of accepted all of these things and have learned to integrate them in your life. You're doing all the important work of, of learning how to do that. Um, do you feel that way? Do you feel like you have sort of made positive progress and are in a better place inside of a hard situation?
0: Absolutely. And I think it's because of that impact piece yeah. Um because every time I start to talk about the difficulties I have, people respond and I realize, okay, I'm making an impact. Yeah. And it's been I don't want to I don't know if I want to say it's been worth it,
2: <laughs>
0: but I can see the purpose behind it. You know, there's this quote that I like to use that says, your story is about you, but it's not for you. Hmm. And the things that we go through, how can we be using them to help others? And yeah. again, it's it's that perspective shift. So now it's like, this is not something that's happening to me. It's a fact of life, right? Like I have this sickness. Again, I'm 10 years into it, so it took me some time to get here, but yeah. I have this illness there's no cure. I need to learn how to manage it. And while I'm doing that, let me help try to help some people as well.
1: Yeah. And do you do you have a sense of how long it took you to reach that moment?
0: You know, it may be when I started doing this diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging work. Hmm. Because you really start thinking about celebrating the ways we're different, right? Valuing the things that make us unique. And so that was probably seven, eight years ago. Wow.
1: Yeah, yeah. so that's pretty quick inside of a 10-year journey. That's impressive.
0: It started. It
2: started, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. I would.
0: I mean, honestly, I think the Beth that you're speaking to today, this has been an evolution over the past year.
1: Hmm. With that in mind, if you could remove fibromyalgia from your body so that it never happened? I know that if we could take a pill and it's gone today, yes, let's do it. But if we could go back and have it never happen to you at all, is that a choice that you would make?
0: That's hard. Yeah. I, I'm i going to probably say yes for mm. the fibromyalgia. Now, the anxiety and depression, maybe not. Mm. But would I like to not be in pain every day? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> would I like to I always laugh because I have insomnia, you know? Mm. And so I'm like, Beth, how are you tired all the time? And then when it comes time for bed, you can't sleep. So I would like to be able, I remember those days I used to just be able to lay down, close my eyes and go to sleep. I would I would want that again. Would yeah. you? What about you? If you could get rid of yours?
1: If it never happened, I, I wouldn't because- I look at the trajectory of who I was and who I was heading towards becoming versus Mm -hmm. who I became because of being ill. And Mm -hmm. I prefer myself now. I think that I'm better set up to be happy now. Whereas before it was all about this longing for things that I didn't have and not necessarily knowing how to go about getting them, but just expecting them to happen anyway, Mm. which is so unrealistic And also, just not always knowing how to be kind and empathetic and patient. And those are all things that being chronically ill have given me. And they're very, very, very valuable and very hard to come by. So, the place I'm at now where I have a potential diagnosis, treatment, it's still super hard. And I, you know, I almost every day wish that I could get rid of it. But I don't wish that it had never happened.
2: Mm.
0: That's beautiful. Thank you. I'm going to reflect on that a little bit more because I do wonder how it changed the trajectory of my life. I don't know that I've thought through that. I think because I'm just like, okay, it is what it is, and I'm just going to keep moving forward.
1: Well, you know, I talk to a lot of people with chronic illness and disability, and we all share something. It's hard to put my finger on what it is, but it's something where you can look into someone's eyes and know that they've been through it. And that they get it and there's something so affirming about that on like a really deeply human level and I find people that have been through these types of things just care about others and are compassionate and have empathy and that yeah. is so rare these days. So, there's something to it, you know, it's it's horrible and we all suffer and we don't want to and we're forced to. And then you have to accept suffering. And there's something about that that just like changes something inside of you. It shifts something that is sort of permanent, I think, and profound and important and valuable. So I really, I, I really believe that there's something um there's always something valuable that comes out of these challenges.
0: Abs- you're absolutely right. You're you're helping me change my answer. <laughs> <laughs> you're absolutely right.
1: <laughs> uh. Well, Beth, I know you have to run today. We're um, just about out of time, but this has been amazing talking to you. So much fun. I have one more question for you. If you could go back in time, different go back in time question this time. If you could go back in time and give yourself a piece of information or a short message at the beginning of your fibromyalgia journey, When, when chronic pain first turns on, that switch is flipped. You don't know why. But, you know, you in the future knows why and knows that you're going to have to learn to accept it. Is there any piece of information you think you could share that would be helpful?
0: Yeah, my favorite piece of advice ever is you belong here. And when you are someone who has a chronic illness, so often we feel like we don't belong. Hmm. You know, we might not be able to keep up the way we used to or do the things we wanted, you know, we wanted to do or hang with the people we wanted to. But that doesn't take away from the fact that we still belong, sick and all, that we're worthy and we're valuable. And so I wish that I would have had that message at the beginning of this journey. I think I would have arrived to the point where I am a little bit sooner, that even on my worst days, I still belong and I'm still worthy.
1: I love it. That's perfect. Thank you so much. Beth, remind us where to go to connect with you online. Please feel free to share anything at all that you'd like to plug.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. The best place is to start on my website, which is BethRuffin.com. You can learn all about me. You can click a link to my podcast, which is You Belong Here with Beth Ruffin. Oh, you're a podcaster.
2: Then, cool. Yes. Yeah.
0: And then Instagram, I'm at Ruffin, And I love chatting with people, making silly reels, and giving out information there.
1: Awesome. Well, I'm going to check out your podcast. That's so exciting. Um, I'm going to have you on it. <laughs> I'll be there. Let's do it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, well, Beth, what a absolute pleasure to get to know you a little bit today and to hear about your story. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. podcast.